Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Kevin Barker, let me ask you a question that continues to puzzle me as we watch Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette make their mark in the major league. And I think I've probably asked you this at least a couple of times a year. But if I asked you to close your eyes and tell me what we should expect from these two, not this season... Maybe not even next season, but but let's say in 2024, right? Let's give them a little more time. What do you think we will see from these two cornerstone players statistically? Well, I've said this before, and I'll, I'll continue to say it. I, I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is Albert Pujols in the make, making, and you look at his stats, and he's set up for that. He had over 300 last year. He had over 40 homers. He drove in over 100 runs. For me, you can see for the next at least, I'm going to give him 10 years. We'll give him that 10-year span. That's normally what Hall of Famers look like. I will say for Vladdy, you're looking at a 300 average. You're looking at at least 30 home runs, you're looking at at least 100 RBIs. That is if they put people around him to where you know he's driving in the 100 runs and that kind of thing and people in front of him are getting on base. For Bo, that's a tremendous question. And I, I know you've asked me this more than once and I'm not real sure I've ever had a good answer for you. I, I, I think he is a clean slate. I, I think we really have no idea what he could be. Is he a 300 hitter? Can he be a 30-double, 30-stolen base, 30-home run, 100-RBI that plays 160 games a year for the next, we'll give him eight years, just because Mm -hmm. of his body type? Uh, You know, if he tones his approach down a little bit at the plate, I mean that big, giant, aggressive leg kick, can his body handle that to, to allow him to stay on the field to do the things that I just mentioned? But I think, for me anyway, Sky's the limit. I, I I think he is the total package when it just comes to changing the game on all parts of the field. Could you see him winning a batting title eventually? Could he be that type of a hitter that could 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 put up a three a three thirty, three thirty five, something like that? I would say no right now if you ask me that just because of the leg kick, the violence of the leg kick, the struggles we saw him last year have with, uh, you know, how high do I kick it? Am I kicking it high enough? Am I not kicking it high and you know, in, in where it's reaching the, the certain level of my body? He wants it a little bit at his waist or a little above that. He wants that timing part of it. Uh, it's, you know, the, the 300 average, I, I'm not sure. Will they, if they do away with the shift – Will that help Bo hit 325? I'm not sure. Does it even matter if he if he wins a batting title? I, I I just think until he actually figures out ways to control, I'm not saying eliminate, control what he does with his leg kick, then I would say no to your question. 
Well, we're still in limbo, of course, as we await any signs of progress in baseball CBA talks. But in some ways, the signs have been good early for the Blue Jays and that the idea of dropping service time eligibility for free agency below six years appears to not have ever been on the table. That's something the players have wanted. That's something the owners uh, the owners just have, just have no interest in broaching. And, of course, that's, that's a big win for the Blue Jays in terms of their window of opportunity for both Vladdy and Bo. Now, true, there could very well be an adjustment to arbitration that sees these two get a little more money a little earlier, but I don't think there's anybody connected with ownership or management that is particularly worried about that. I mean, let's be clear. A big salary will mean they've put up big production, and that's a trade-off. I can guarantee you this. That's a trade-off ownership and management management would make you know, in, in, God, in the time it takes you to send a text message on your cellular device. You know, still, for me, you know, at least knowing what is on the horizon for this team, I mean, it's just making it even harder to work through this lockout. I mean, I think we all have a feeling that these players and this this team has just kind of tickled the surface. And I think we also all still feel that there are big moves brewing and that this could be a truly memorable team and a memorable season. If only, if only, if only, if only we can get through. If only we can get through this uh, this lockout. If only we can get through this stoppage and get spring training going again. So I'm awaiting anxiously. I know that my friend Mr. Barker is awaiting anxiously, and I'm damn certain you're waiting anxiously. And as for Bo Bichette, well, he's a son of a major leaguer who's been through labor wars himself. I wonder what he's told Bo. I wonder where Bo's head is as we look at the calendar and wrap our own heads around the idea that players would quite likely already be in Dunedin by now without the lockout. Bo, really good of you to hang with us a bit. Um, how and where are you working out right now, and what is your plan if this lockout goes on for a while? I mean, I'm just doing the same thing I'd normally be doing. Uh, you know, I work out at a cage my dad put together a few years back. Um, got a field next to my parents house and also my high school field so you know nothing's really changed for me just trying to stay ready are, are you following news after every bargaining session uh during the lockout or or just kind of going about your business until you're told it's over um you know i have i'm aware of of some certain things that we're discussing but you know i mean there's really no point in me worrying worrying about the everyday thing just when they tell me ready to go i'll be ready have you been able to uh, keep in contact? I presume you have, but keep in contact with your teammates. And you know, are you working out with with some of the guys? Um, yeah, I mean, keeping contact with a lot of them. Uh, I've worked out with Jano, Santi, Teoscar. Um, you know, so I'm making my rounds. I want to go to Miami soon, maybe see Lourdes. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do my best in that area. Bo, is there a concern? Uh, say there's, you know, two and a half weeks of spring training. It, when you do start up spring training, is there one specific thing that you're going to go after when it comes to the, the parts of your game? Oh, man, I think that stuff should be done in the off season. But, um, yeah. you know, 
whenever we get to uh, spring training, just little things. I mean, just learning more about the game. I think when you get to spring training, it's about learning how to play baseball. It's not about mechanics or, or practice or anything. It's really about learning how to play baseball, um, pay attention to the game, make, make adjustments in the game. Um, you know, so those are the type of things that you can't do in the off season. But no, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to take care of all that right now. Now, your uh, your dad obviously is an advisor for the Blue Jays. Have you guys been able to have the same working relationship this spring, given given what's going on? I mean, I know technically teams can't communicate with players and that, but man, it's got to be tough when you're sitting down to the din- at the dinner table sometimes with with the guy. You know, is it, is the relationship still the same as as or have you guys had to be a little more careful than usual? Yeah, well. Uh... The father-son relationship comes first, so uh, my dad, uh, my dad resigned from that job to uh, be able to work with me and not have that affect anything. So we'll see what happens in the future. But uh, yeah, for right now, he's taken. Uh, you know, he wants to be be with me, be with my teammates. That's pretty. Uh, that that's pretty cool. I w- I, I would think. I mean, because <laughs> I know your dad enjoyed the job. Um, mm-hmm. That says that says a lot about your relationship, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he's he's the guy I trust. So, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, if he still had the job, we'd probably, <laughs> probably still be doing stuff together. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's my dad, you know, what can I say? But, uh, no, for sure, we, we definitely have a good relationship. What, what was the first conversation after an all-star season like you had? You walked up to your dad. Was there was there a, a piece of advice he gave you going into the off-season? Is there something he said, hey, you know, let, let's really hone in and, and, and get to work on this certain part? Or is there any conversations like that, Head? Um, you know, I think, uh, I think, you know, really my dad just told me great job, um, way to compete. There's nothing really he had to tell me. There's a lot of things in my mind that I already knew I had to get better at. Um, I think that I competed really well this year. Um, you know, every single day I came ready to play. I gave what I had, um, you know, but I think there was some things that were a little off in the season. Um, swing wasn't as consistent as normally it is in my career. So, uh, you know, there was definitely things that I had to – I've already been thinking about getting better at defensively as well. But, um, you know, I think that both of us just really proud of, of just competing and grinding through my first big league season. Well, I think every off season, at least in the past, it almost seems as if when we talk to you, you you pick one area or skill set to work on in particular. I think it was 2018 where I remember you telling us that you, you know, the point of emphasis was on running technique, like stuff like that. Uh, has there been a particular area of focus this winter, or after you know your full season in the majors? have you had to maybe change how you approach working on different skills? Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's points of emphasis everywhere. Um, not in, not on one side of the ball. I mean, there's points of emphasis on offense, defense. Um, you know, I mean, the biggest thing for me really every off season and through the season is staying healthy. Um, you know, I think that I can bring the most I'm capable of bringing if I'm on the field. So, uh, that's always my biggest priority is putting myself in shape to be able to help the team every day. I, I heard you uh, mention stuff that you didn't like, maybe, you know, moodiness of your swing, so to speak. I, I'm guessing you're talking about the leg kick. Sometimes it may be too high. Sometimes it's it's not high enough. It's getting it to that same slot. It's timing, all of those things. How do you go into an off season 
to just sort of maintain exactly what you want to do when it comes to a timing aspect? Yeah, um, you know, I think that last year was the first time I've ever had mechanical issues in my swing, um, at least from my point of view. But uh, I think a lot of it comes from searching from the perf- searching for the perfect swing. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you play baseball every day, that's, that's unattainable. So, uh, you know, I think for me, just going back to how I have always been focusing on how I want to attack the baseball, focusing on my approach, you know, focusing on that kind of thing, focusing on rhythm timing. And not really focusing on where my hands are going to be or how big my leg kick is or whatever and just allow that kind of stuff to happen. So definitely a great learning experience, something I've never dealt with in my career. But, um, you know, I'm definitely excited that I did go through it to, to be able to learn from it. Well, it's interesting hearing you say that because I think one of the things that happens from talking to guys who played the game is – a, a, a lot of guys who play the game come up and they were the best player in their team or the best pitcher in their team and they've always been at an elite level. And then you get to the majors and you do kind of realize that it's really hard to be perfect over 162 games, isn't it? Do you almost have to accept that? Uh, yeah, I think you do. Um, you know, I think the start of my career was a little bit weird too. Um, I felt like I had two really, really good seasons back to back, but they weren't really seasons. Um, so it's weird, you know, I feel like I had two years and then I was really starting my career last year. Um, kind of felt like my rookie season. So yeah, I definitely learned a lot. Learned that I'm not going to be perfect. Um, I learned that, you know, my men- my mental state, the ability to compete is what's really going to push me through the difficult times, push me through 162 games, push me through big games, postseason. Um, you know, and then the mechanic stuff is just icing on the cake really. But um, if I can compete mentally and be there every single day, um, you know, with a plan and all that, that's that's really the most important part. You, you talked a lot about how much of an influence Marcus Simeon was for you last year. Uh, what was the biggest takeaway working together in that one season? Yeah, I think um, I think the biggest thing he did for us really was just I think he took a, a little bit of pressure off some of us. Um, you know, in terms of leadership, um, I think that going through our first season, it's tough to be, you know, leading a uh, a championship caliber team while you're also trying to get your feet wet. So uh, I think he helped a lot in that area. Um, other than that, I think, I mean, we've all seen how much he's improved over the years. Um, he's gotten better every year offensively and defensively. Um, and I think just having somebody there showing you the work it took for him to improve, I think is going to have a lasting impact on all of us. Well, I actually sat down and counted, and I think since you've been with the Blue Jays, the organization has had something like 20 different second basemen and third basemen combined playing. Now, you obviously you haven't played with all of them, but, I mean, I think you get, you get my point. Um, is that a big deal for you? Would it be nice to have some familiarity the way you did with Marcus in 2021? Or, you know, obviously that's something you can't control. Is it something that you just have to block out and just worry about? doing what you have to do i mean yeah there's definitely comfortability there i mean um but at the same time that really has nothing to do with how i'm playing so um you know whatever we're able to do it'd be great to have a guy to my left and to my right that's there every day um but if not you know that's has no impact on my ability to play the game do you think you get enough credit for your defense and uh have you improved as much as you'd like defensively you know, I, I think I have. Um, I've improved a lot. There's a lot more to go. 
um, a ton more to go. I want to be the best in the game. So this is going to be a um, continual effort of improvement. Um, to be honest, with the credit, I don't. I'm harder on myself than anybody else is. So anytime I hear negative criticism, criticism, I almost agree. <laughs> so it doesn't really bother me. Um, you know, so that's just for me, I'm just going out there every day trying to get better. Um, you know, I understand my, my faults and, and, uh, in every aspect of my game and, you know, it'll always be something I'm trying to perfect. When the season does start, how does the Blue Jays get off to a good start in your mind? Man, uh, just, I think just continue to play hard. I mean, we're all, we're all working hard this off season. We work hard during season. I think, uh, I think playing hard, honestly, is one of the most underestimated things, really just giving it all you got. I think uh, an untalented team can win a lot of games doing that. Um, and obviously we have a lot of talent. So I think if we you know, combine the talent and just going out there and giving everything we have, I mean, leaving nothing on the table, I think we should be in good spot. Now, Carlos Correa was asked last year about what stats he looks at and whether or not he changed as his career went on. And he made a point that going into this year, his free agent year, he said he, he really, he looked at predictive stats, hard hit percentage, walk percentage, OPS plus, weight of runs created plus, stuff like that. Are you at that stage yet? And, and, and like, is there a, a stat or some sort of analytical base that you, you, you look at, you know, when you've got, spare time or when you're thinking about your swing or your game is there something you zero in on in terms of a statistic yeah there's nothing i think there's a ton of a ton wrong with a lot of analytical numbers um you know i'm old school man i like to look at the production um you know what what did you actually put players across the plate you know score runs things like that um i don't ever see myself really using any of those analytical numbers for improvement but you know, for me, it's just about going out there and giving my team what I have in practice, giving my team what I have in the game. I think that if I'm consistent with that, consistent with giving everything I got, then, you know, things will work out. I'm not too worried about what my exit velocity is or anything like that. <laughs> what, well, yeah, what, whenever I was a player, I, I had to, before spring training starts, just, it's just me. What, what, you know, what, when I was driving to spring training, I, I would have to think to myself, okay, I want to be a, a 30 home run guy. I want to be a 100 RBI guy. I want to be a 30 doubles guy. I want to hit somewhere around 270. I had a longer swing, so I didn't want to shoot for the moon when it came to average-wise. Are you one of those guys, are you a goal setter going into a season? No, I think, uh, to me, I think setting goals is a little bit limiting. Um, I believe in my ability. I believe in the hard work I, I put in. Um, and it doesn't really matter what numbers I put up. I, you know, I'm going to put in the work and I'm going to go out there and my goal is to give everything I got for 162 games. And, you know, I believe that if I do that, obviously I'm doing something right and the numbers will be there. But, uh, you know, I'm not too worried about that, man. I just want to win. Were you happy with the way you finished the year last year because I, I remember the year before, you know, the COVID shortened year, you had that game in Tampa. You were really you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months later, I think you, you, you told us, you know, I, I, I may have let myself get worn down mentally too much. I, maybe I needed to guard against that. Were you happy with the way the year finished last year? Yeah, aside from the fact you guys didn't make the playoffs, but personally, were you happy with the way it it felt? 
Um, yeah, no, I definitely was. Uh, definitely was proud of myself. I mean, after 2020, that was a huge em- emphasis for me um, to finish strong. Um, that's the most important part. Um, be ready for the big games. Be prepared for the big games. Um, you know, so to be able to get in that spot and and produce and kind of do my thing was uh, definitely good for me. I think puts me in a good spot for next year. But uh, I think the goal is to kind of do that a little bit more often. With uncertainty, uh, uh, you know, who's playing second, who's playing third, who's playing beside you, this may be, you know, n- not real fair to you, but you are the quarterback uh, of the team when you're on defense playing shortstop. Knowing that, you know, they're not – who who's going to be the second baseman, who's going to be the third baseman, does that put any more pressure on you to have better footwork in the offseason, work on that, have, you know, work on your arm strength? I know you do those things anyway, but just – the unknowns of not knowing who might play second, who might play third, does that add up into how you go about working out those things? No, that I mean, no, there's not much more that could motivate me to be better. Um, you know, I'm trying to do that every single day with everything I do. Um, I don't think any circumstance is going to push me any harder. So, uh, you know, I think uh, just going out there, really, it's not for me. I don't think the footwork, the – um, hands, all that kind of stuff defensively, arm is uh, stuff I need to get better at. But at the same time, I think a lot of it comes from not really understanding the nuances of fielding like I do hitting, um, understanding how to actually play the game, how to be aggressive, how to understand situations. So that's what I'm trying to get better at, um, be a little bit more fearless, be a little bit more aggressive. I think uh spent a lot of time trying to look good um, for people who said I didn't look like a shortstop. And, uh, you know, that's kind of – that's over for me. <laughs> you are you are the shortstop of the Toronto Blue Jays, aren't you? Period. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would assume so. Um, obligatory question here. You know, we're getting at the stage of your career where people are going to start talking about long-term contracts, things of that nature. Um, do you understanding we're in a time of uncertainty right now in the game, but do you think the team and, and your reps will, will get around to it this spring? And, you know, when you see somebody like Wander Franco getting a deal, do you ever wonder, you know, damn, when it, I, I'm going to say, when am I going to get mine? I know you don't think that way, but that's the way I'm putting it bluntly. Do you ever, do you ever think about that? Is that, is that something that enters your mind now as you, your career goes on? Um, you know, to be honest, like not really at all. Um, you know, I'm not opposed to it, but I also am very confident in my ability and I'm not in a rush to do anything. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with the CBA and everything like that. It could change a lot of things. Who knows? But, um, you know, uh, for me, like not in a rush, I enjoy the organization. Um, we have a great team. Um, so I'm, we'll have my ears open, but at this point in my career, I'm no, in no rush to make that happen. Last question from us. When we talked to Dante last year after the All-Star game, he suggested that there was some talk you might take part in the home run derby and that you just said, uh, you know, right now it's not. I mean, Dante's word was, I I don't feel that I deserve it. That's paraphrasing him. Uh, How close did you come to going in the derby? Frankly, I would love to see a guy your size in the home run derby. Uh, How close did you come? And was it something you'd think about this year if the opportunity presented itself? Um, I think that's a day-by-day thing. Um, I didn't come very close last year. I wasn't, um, like I said, I didn't feel great all year, so I wasn't really mm. um, itching at the fact, itching at the opportunity to go do that. Um, you know, but that is something that I've done in the past on my derbies, and I enjoy them, so who knows. But, uh, 
you know, I think that especially last year, given my first year, um, you know, I kind of needed a three day break. Um, you know, so we'll see how I feel next year, but you know, there's still so much more I need to accomplish in the game and home run derby is kind of the last thing I'm thinking about. Well, listen, thanks, uh, as always for doing this and sharing your time with us. Stay healthy, say hi to Dante and, uh, let's see each other soon in spring training. Okay. Thanks, Bo. All right, guys. Yep. Thank thanks, you for Bo. having me. That is Bo Bichette of the Toronto Blue Jays, Kevin Barker. Uh, lots to unpack. Some interesting some interesting thoughts from Bo. Maybe even a little bit, well, definitely a little bit of news made as well. We'll come back, take a deeper dive into our discussion with Bo Bichette. It's Blair and Barker. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, you can grab the Blair and Barker podcast. Wherever you get your favorite podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have questions for Barker's Backlake Bites, there's a Barker's Backlake Bits. It's the second one. Right there. Don't let the mayor you. of Backlake City <laughs> would love to hear from you. So you can DM me whenever your heart desires, SN Jeff Blair, or drop me an email at jeff.blair at rci.rogers.ca. And a reminder, we'll be back on the air at Sportsnet 590. The fan, once the lawyers get done with the CBA, 10 to noon, then 5 to 7, post-game as well with Blue Jays talk. So, Barker, if you are the mayor of Back Lake City, what does that make me? Dog catcher? Yeah, I don't think I can say it. Parking this attendant? Is a, this, is a, this is a family show. Can't say that mm. live on radio. Thanks for that. Thanks for the sport. Uh, so, so Kevin Barker, what was your biggest takeaway from our interview with, with Bo? I mean, there's a little bit of breaking news there, and that Dante has apparently resigned as an advisor with the Jays. Keep in mind that he was in uniform a great deal over the past two years and in the dugout. But as we mentioned, because of the lockout, club employees can't talk to players. So I guess this just... This just makes it a little easier, as I as I said to Bo. It makes the dinner conversation a little easier, but it sure seems. Now, if I'm a Jays fan, and this means that Bo Santiago Espinal, Teoscar Hernandez, Danny Jansen, maybe Lourdes Gurriel, if they're all still getting a chance to work with Dante, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. That that you know sounds like Dante knew what he was doing and and maybe thought that this was going to go a little longer than everybody thought it was going to go. And his son needed him. You you listen to Bo. Bo's struggling when it comes to the mechanical yeah. side of his swing. You know, listen, the twenty nine homers, the hundred RBIs, and hitting almost three hundred. You you would think if he's struggling mechanically, what's what's going to happen when he's really good mechanically? But it just sounds to me like you know the conversation between his, him and his dad was, look, I, I need you. I, I, this thing may go a little longer than than it should go and and i need you to go in the cage with me and and let's iron this out and figure it out and, and figure it out how i can repeat that and 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 get the foot down and get it singing like i like to say 
But it's look, if you're a Blue Jays fan and you listen to Bo Bichette talk, if you're not excited to to watch the Blue Jays for for at least the next five or six years, you're crazy. You need to find a new team because just that the way he talks, his maturity, uh, you, the, even the thing that he said said about how he looked at shortstop, he was trying to please everybody, and he doesn't care about that anymore. It's a, it's about getting the job done and, and getting people out, and I it just uh, look, it, it's. We're we're seeing a Bo Bichette, the shortstop of the future, growing up before our eyes, and it's kind of cool to watch. All right. I think you know how I feel about this. I think I've made my point. Do you think the Blue Jays can win a World Series? Because that's what this is all about. Do you think they can win a World Series with Bo Bichette as their shortstop? I would I would say yes to that. I would say it will be harder for them to win a World Series with Lord Escurial Jr. hitting fifth mm-hmm. in your lineup than it will be Bo Bichette playing shortstop for you. Uh, this is just me. You thought anyway. at one point. You thought at one point Bo would have to move to second. Did you not? I did just because of arm strength, accuracy, okay. that internal clock. Uh, he just didn't look right. He was fighting it. Who was playing around him? You could tell Marcus Simeon helped him out a lot. Just slowing everything down, trusting who you are, trusting the work that you do before the game starts. And then when it comes time to, to ring the bell, when it goes, you go between the lines. You, every, it's just going to take over because you've done it over and over and over again. It's muscle memory. I, it's Again, it's... I, I I think for me anyway, if you're a Blue Jays fan and you're a guy or a, a person covering the Blue Jays, the last thing you need to worry about is the shortstop for the Toronto Blue Jays. All right, let's uh, let's leave the hitting aside for a minute. I want to come back to that, but let's focus on his defense. And we know Luis Rivera has spent a lot of time in spring training with him in recent years. They've been in the backfield. He's put a stopwatch on, and they've been they've been watching his. Uh, his catch and release. What are you hearing about the concerns the Jays may still have about his defense, Kevin? Because here's the thing, and I understand that defensive analytics, uh, I, I mean, they are what they are. But I think when a body of evidence builds up using a variety of different analytic a- analytics, at least makes it a talking point. Bo played the fifth highest number of innings at shortstop in the majors. 26 in defensive runs saved, 41st in defensive war. He was minus six and outs above average. The good news is that's tied with Corey Seager. Right? The bad mm-hmm. news, it was 28th in the majors. And he really, well, we talked about this, he really did seem to have issues going to his right. So tell me about his defense. Well, everybody I talked to that's around him that worked with him every day said he was trying too hard. He he was a young guy who was trying to be the shortstop of the Toronto Blue Jays on a contending baseball team. And a lot of the times that's a little unfair. He's he's trying to make all of his mistakes with a team that's trying to contend mm-hmm. at the quarterback spot, which is the shortstop level on a on a big league baseball team. We we all know the things that Bo sometimes has issues with. It's footwork. That's why I asked him about that. It's it's placement. Uh, it's, you know, where he sets up. That's why you would see a lot of the times they would put him closer to the third baseman because he did have a little trouble with his backhand. They wanted to make that a little easier. His first move towards the first base bag was much better. So they figure, okay, we'll put him over where his weakness at. We'll take his weakness away. We'll make his strength stronger. 
And that's exactly what they did. And you started to see him later in the season get a little bit better because he got more confidence. He Again, he, he found a routine. And speaking from a guy with experience, finding routines at the big league level is not the easiest thing to do, especially on top of it when you're trying to contend and win games like the Blue Jays were trying to do in the American League East. And let's not forget, they did it at three different home stadiums, mm. which can't be the easiest thing to do either. So I was one of the people that was hard on him. You were hard on him. We didn't expect a big league shortstop to look like he looked at the beginning. But, again, he raised his hand. He said, I have an issue. I need to go on the backfield and fix it. That's why Louis Rivera put the big giant clock, that internal thing of when the the runner, you know, if you got a bigger guy who can't run, you got more time. You can set your feet. You can you can lollipop it over there. If you got a guy that's a little faster, they put him up, set him down. You got to get to it a little quicker. You got to get rid of the ball a little quicker. So I, I just think not every player's perfect. But I got to be honest with you, right now, for me anyway, until they get a better option, which the only guy that I know was a better option is going to cost you $300 million. Are they going to do that? Absolutely not. So for me right now, the answer to your question was it's long winded. But for me, Bo Bichette's the, the Toronto Blue Jays starting shortstop. They do need, though, don't they? They, they need to solve third base. And it, and it can't be some sort of Santiago Espinal, Gabriel Marino, uh, or Gabriel Marino uh, experiment this year, can it? I mean, it's got to be, it has to be an established, an established third baseman. Does I mean the whole second base thing? You know, people talk about familiarity between shortstop and second base. Now that they've taken away the wipeout slide at second base, that that's that's less of an issue, I think, mm-hmm. than in the past. But I think it's really important that I, I don't think they can go into the year with four or five different guys playing second and third all year with Bo. I just don't think they can. I think they have that has to be addressed by this organization. Well, with the with the weakness that I just mentioned about his backhand and why they put him closer to the third baseman, that would tell you they would like a, a third baseman with a little bit more range. I'm okay with Santiago Espinal. Can you? Okay, I'll ask you this, Jeff. Can you hmm. win the American League East with Kevin Biggio and Santiago Espinal getting 400 plus at bats, playing every day at second and third? If the answer, if you, if you no, even you have can't. to hesitate, then you've answered your own question. So now you're you're thinking, okay, if I go get a Trevor Story, I bring Trevor Story in here. Can I can I give Trevor Story? I'm just saying this a two year deal, whatever the number mm-hmm. would be, and put him at second or third. Will he be mm-hmm. okay with that? Is his performance going to go up because of that reason? They're not. Doesn't sound to me like you would move a a Bo Bichette for a Trevor Story at short. We know Trevor Story has arm issues. Shoulder yeah, issues. listen, I I wanted just I, I the, the whole moving Bo Bichette off short that that's that's got to be put to bed. Yeah, that's what one of the reasons I asked him the the way I did just bluntly. He he's and uh, Buck Martinez has been you know, God bless him. He's been the one guy around this city since day one that's been saying leave him at short, leave him at short, leave him at short. Talked about how he reminded him of Robin Yount. Just leave him at short. And yeah, I, I I'm hoping that that we can finally put. I'm hoping that we can finally put put that discussion to bed. But you made an, an interesting point as well when we were prepping for this that I hadn't thought about. Uh, we're talking, uh, we being baseball, are talking about doing some things to the shift, mm-hmm. right? Maybe limiting it. Now, I don't listen. There's there's so much that's being dealt with right now in the CBA. 
I don't think we're going to get around to that stuff. That may be something that, that, that is dealt with once the game gets going again. You know, once the CBA is done and the game's in the field, you can reopen the CBA and readdress issues. And the commissioner's got the power to do whatever he wants. I get all that. But the commissioner has also in the past said, look, yeah, I'll put in a pitch clock. I'll do this. I'll do that. But I want the players to welcome it enthusiastically. I don't want a bunch of guys going out in the field going, God, there's another rule I hate. So, But you, mm. you made the point about limiting a shift. That might have an impact on some of the things the Jays do with Bo, right? If you're only Absolutely. allowed to have two guys on each side of the bay. Absolutely. That that would put more pressure on him to cover more ground. The arm strength thing comes back into play. He's going to have to make the longer throw because of that reason. He's going to have to move around a little bit more. Again, I'm with you. You Put this to bed. Like, he's a short, shortstop or not. Like, he's put in his work. He's done everything he's asked you to do. How many shortstops in baseball are going to hit? Like I just said, could be a 30, 30, 30, 100 guy and hit almost 300 for the next five or six years. And we're going to nitpick about what he does at shortstop. I... Look, again, I said they got more worries than the guy that's playing short every single day. It's also interesting to hear Bo talk about realizing you can't be perfect because I think we forget that, especially a lot of these young guys, Kevin, and you were like this too, Mm -hmm. a lot of these guys come out, you're the best player in their team. Hell, you may be the best player in your, you may be the best player in your state coming up. And all of a sudden, it's Garrett Cole that you're facing. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you've been the guy who you've always been a cut above everybody else coming up. And you've always been able to get through the bumps because you're just better. Can you be a perfectionist and have a long career as a baseball player? Or, Kevin, will that just drive you crazy? Yeah, I think so. I think Bo alluded to that, that it was driving him crazy. He was trying to be the shortstop that everybody wanted him to be. He wanted to be cute. He wanted to look perfect every time, every single time is, you know, he went after a ball, the way he called it, the way he got rid of it, where his throws were going to Vladdy instead of just, look, I, I'm doing it off the field. It'll translate on the field. Uh, yeah, it happened to me, Jeff. I, I tried to please everybody when I was a young guy. It cost me tremendous amounts of big league time. If I could have, I tell you this all the time. You got to be real good at taking it one ear, and some of it's got to go out the other ear. Now you're going to take what you think's going to help you. Like Bo's taking advice from his father because he trusts him. His father's been there and done it before. He knows what it takes to be a big leaguer. So you take all that information, you soak it in, you try to be the best guy you can be. But then other guys come in and try and tell you how to do this, that, and the other, and you got to go okay, shaking your head, and sometimes you just see their lips moving. Well, I wasn't good at that. I had to listen to everybody, okay? I was trying to take a little piece from what that person said, a little piece from what that person said, a lot of piece from that guy, and all of a sudden I was just full of pieces and I was not very good on the field and it cost me big league time and I was in the minor league. So, yeah, it it can drive you nuts. And I will say this, you can see it, you can hear it in his voice that he – he has basically sat down with his dad and they worked out and said, I am what I am. I'm going to show up and do exactly what I know I can do because I'm athletic. I, I can do the things at shortstop that I think I can do, and I'm going to start stop listening to all that noise. I'm going to go out there and play, and I'm going to show. That's why when you ask him about the money thing, and he sort of blew it off like my, my yeah. talent's going to show up, and they're going to end up having to pay me. Well, why can't you listen to that? I, I wish it's, I would have been that way when I was that age. Yeah, thinking back to – Bo's comments about you know, perfection and, and 
and and and you've talked about how just basically letting it flow basically right um figure out who you are be comfortable with it and and let it flow it doesn't mean that you don't try to get better you're always trying to get better but i it it reminds me of of something dante said after Bo had signed with the Jays. And one of the things they wanted was an organization that was going to accept the fact that this guy had his own way of doing things, right? There's that famous story uh, with John Snyder, right? And, and, and uh, John Snyder, and, and I can't remember, I can't remember who the minor league hitting coach was. I should know. A guy played in the majors for a long time, and they're watching Bo. And Bo's got the leg kick, and then Bo doesn't have the leg kick. Bo's got the leg kick. He doesn't have the leg kick. And they're, they're looking at him, basically saying, hey, you got to settle in something. He goes, no, you guys ever watch Tiger Woods? Tiger yeah. Woods drives the ball one way, right? And then he's got a different approach when he's putting. And he said, my two-strike two approach is my short game. You know, and Schneider Absolutely. said, okay, that, that makes it. But that is Bo, isn't it? Like, he is – it's not that he's on his own program. It's certainly not that he's he's a problem, but he is he's unique. He is yeah. unique. I think he's come to the realization that he can make a ton of money be making the routine play at shortstop. Doesn't have to make the the special play all the time. Every play that that you know most human beings can't make, make he's going to make those occasionally. But not to make those all the time. Make the plays you're supposed to make and be special offensively. If he can do that and. You know, he'll be here forever with the Toronto Blue Jays, and he'll take them where they ultimately want to go. I just like that he's bought into it already. He's coming off an all-star season where he hit almost 30 homers and drove in over 100 runs and hit almost 300, Jeff. Like, yeah. it's it's just to listen to him talk, It's I'm jealous because I, I could never at that age talk like that. I had no idea how to talk like that. Yeah, you also got to keep in mind he he does make a good point. Uh, Bo made a good point about the start of his career. It is, and he wasn't using it as an excuse, but he's just simply pointing it out. It, it really is. It, it really is almost like last year was his first year because it was his first full year. And I, and I keep getting back to this. That, and, and it comes from watching a lot of the young Expos players and Larry Walker in particular. And one of the things Felipe Alou always used to say about Larry Walker is, he, he, and, and Mo was a little bit the same way, Vladdy Sr. as well. You got it. You're no good to your team if you're not in the field. Yep. You got to learn how to play as much of those 162 games as you can. It's a matter of pacing yourself. You know, you can't go 100% out all the time and all that. And I found it interesting hearing Bo say that basically I look at last year as my first year and I grinded through it. And yep. I I'm I'm really proud that I was able to do that. And yeah, this this kid's had a weird start to his career with COVID, like, you know, playing in four different ballparks in one year. Mm-hmm. Not making excuses for him, but it's not like this guy's come up and everything, everything has been has been placed in front of him. Yeah, I think we're a little unfair to him, too, because he came up with Blatty, and we know what Blatty can do offensively, and now we see what he's turning into being a first baseman. Blatty's not a perfect first baseman, but he works hard. He wants to get yeah. better with his with his footwork around the bag, and you can see that because of he's, he's losing weight. He's more athletic. He's up on the balls of his feet a little bit more. We all know what he can do offensively. I I just think sometimes we just stop, stop talking about Bo. Like, let Bo mm-hmm. go out there and be Bo. Let stop Bo talking, do just, things. just enjoy Absolutely. Yep. You'd rather be an Orioles fan? <laughs> and with that, uh, anyhow, we want to thank Bo, Bo Bichette for joining us again. And uh, 
Oh, damn, I just I, I wish it was spring training. You know, oh. it, it's great. I love talking to these guys. I love talking to Bo. You know, I like I, I, I like talking to the players, and then I kind of feel pissed off because, uh, yeah, it's great to talk baseball, but we should be down there. You know, we should be going down and talking to these guys in person. And anyhow, but I know one thing that will make me feel better. You know what that is? What's that, Jeff? Hmm. I wonder. Barker's back leg bits. Delado, Kevin Baker. El envío saca batazo de fly profundo al bosque derecho, cuadrangular bestial para Kevin Baker. We said Barker's bits, not Baker. My goodness, Barker just airmailed that thing. It's time for Barker's back leg bits. Ah, uh, that never, never, ever gets old. By the way, I got a surprise <laughs> for you here. Uh oh. Uh, Hor- George Bell's mustache. Say, uh, Twitter follower who uh, DM'd me today. I think you may know about him. He was the Enterprise rent a car dealer in Syracuse. Yep. And he was talking about how you would come in. Did you ask for license plates that said first base on them? No. No. I learned my okay, lesson but, after I, after I had to wash cars for a right. week. Well, anyhow, yeah. you would come in and talk to all your all his staff, never big time anyone, and always always ask us if we needed tickets for the game. So, this is his question. Well, it's not really a question. He said, "Jeff, good morning. I was listening to the pod, and Barker mentioned being in the Virginia Tech Hall of Fame. I was searching the internet for any Barker tidbits on the VT Athletics website and found out 25 years later, and Kevin, I verified this, 25 years later, you still lead the Hokies in two statistical categories. Do you have any idea what they are? Triples? Son of a gun! (laughs) After 130 years of Hokie baseball (laughs) and 26 years since you're on campus, you were the all-time leader in triples in a season with nine... And in a yeah. career with 17, dude, maybe we got to start calling you Wheels Barker, man. Yeah, I told you I didn't hit my growth spurts in my sophomore year, and I was, what was I, 5'10", 168 pounds, somewhere in that range. And then I and then I jumped up to like six six feet, 200 pounds. But, yeah, I could pick them up and set them down a little bit. I yeah. played center field, and it was fun, yeah. All right, uh, so there you go, a little bit of Barker history, which we love. Uh, Dar- Darcy and PEI love PEI. Great place. If you ever looking for a place in Canada to spend time in the summer, PEI is your place. Since we're talking Bo Bichette, where would you hit him in the order? And, and, and Darcy says, I'm going to throw a caveat in there. Let's just say the Jays add another impact bat. So he wants to know where you hit Bo in the order, Kevin. Well, it's, it's hard to say who that impact bat is. So we'll go with what we know, which is the first four guys they got in the order. George Springer from Mays leading off. Vladdy's hitting third. Okay, you don't want to rock that boat. Uh, last year, Vladdy hit 43 homers and drove in 116 runs hitting third. He like you. He liked hitting that spot, you know, that routine, oh, yeah. that whole kind of thing. I like Bo in the two spot. I, I know last year the reason why they moved him from the two spot, put Marcus Simeon in there, because Marcus Simeon's a veteran guy. He's going to work counts. They had noticed when George came back that there was a lot of two-pitch outs, meaning George Springer would go up, be very aggressive, fly out to center field. On first pitch, Bo would come up, do the exact same thing. He got two outs with Vladdy coming up with only two pitches from the starter. And we know, you know, the first inning is always the toughest for that. That starter. So if it's me, 
I'm putting Bo in the two spot. I like the speed. He gets on base. You know, I'd like to see him walk a little bit more. But if he gets on base, you know, he can be that 30 stolen base guy. He can take some attention away from the pitcher, get a hangy, so Vladdy can go back leg central. So I like I like him hitting in the two spot. Yeah, I'm with you. To me, it's either two or four. It's a cleanup spot if you don't add anybody else. I, I, I listen. I just think I I think they're going to add another bat, and I wonder if 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 hitting cleanup. You know, Bo basically told us that he was not completely comfortable with the swing last year. Yep. I wonder if hitting cleanup had something to do with it. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't yeah, know. I don't think so. I, I, I don't think where he's hitting in the, line, in the lineup had anything to do with it. I, I think he was a little in between with the big giant leg kick. I just, for me, like we said before, mm-hmm. the Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hitting fifth. Can you win the American League East, Jeff, with him doing that? I'm not real sure about that. Muskoka man wants to know. He says, did you see that tweet from the guy who was Mike Trout's hitting coach? Uh, he sent out a tweet of Trout hitting a fly ball, and as a joke, asked, can somebody please help my friend's kid out? Unfortunately, some guy who's a coach didn't see the joke, didn't realize it was Mike Trout, and basically ripped Trout's swing. <laughs> now, yeah. Trout ended up sending, the, and this is vintage Mike Trout, Trout, uh-huh. and, and this guy meant well. The guy wasn't being an ass. He, he was, hey, you know, I look at this swing, and I think maybe got a lead with your elbow, blah, blah, blah. So Trout ended up sending him some of his bats, and the note that said, hey, keep coaching young kids. And it wasn't, he was nice about it. The guy took it the right way. Everybody handled it right. Anyhow, did you ever tell somebody famous, Kevin, to basically back off, leave me alone, and let me figure it out? Thanks, boys. Love the show. That from Muskoka, man. This is a short answer. The answer to that's no. I wish I had. We just talked about this for four or five minutes with Bo. You know, you see the lips moving. You shake your head like, yeah, I'm going to take everything you're saying and run to the batting cage. I wish I would have said that to Rod Carew. Love Rod Carew. He's one I of the greatest humans coming. on planet Earth. But I would have loved to have said, hey, you know, you can just stay away from me. Don't ever talk to me again when it comes to, to getting the foot down and getting it singing. He, he wasn't relating to me. So the answer to that is no, but I wish I had it with Rod Carew. Who was the guy that maybe gave you advice? Yeah, you looked at him and said, "Who the hell are you? Like, what am I? What am I listening? What am I listening to you for?" Was anybody who stands out as somebody who was just like really good that way with you? A certain coach? Yeah, not really. It was more when I was coming up. Jeff Jenkins, Jeremy Burnett's. Uh, those were the two guys because they were both left-handed. Jeremy Burnett's right had the big giant. Uh, he would pronate at the end of his swing. That's what I was mm-hmm. trying to do. Jeff Jenkins came up with me, and he was sort of the same kind of hitter. So we were always together. But those two guys come to mind. A reminder that you can hear us on Sportsnet 590, the fan, or grab the pod. It will drop soon after the live show, every Wednesday and every 30, and every Thursday, I should say. And, well, thanks for joining us. And come on, guys. It's a freaking $11 billion a year industry. Get the lawyers in a room, or better yet, get the lawyers out of the room. At any rate, get your asses in gear and get an agreement. It's time for baseball. Good night from Tirana.